0: Last week, I went for a drive and landed in a small surfing village out on the Pacific. The little town was decimated by Hurricane Hillary last month. I didn't do it on purpose. You see, I didn't even think about it when I decided to head out on a spur-of-the-moment road trip. I also didn't realize it was the day before Mexican Independence Day. But I found a tiny motor lodge, and the woman had one room for one night only. The road trip I'd hoped for to get away for about a week or so wasn't off to the best start. There was one restaurant open, despite part of the ceiling being gone. Five tables covered in traditional Mexican Serape tablecloths, skull-shaped water glasses, and a framed Virgin of Guadalupe adorned with flashing Christmas lights all let me know I was in the right place. The service was on point. The woman who owned the place was so kind. Gray dreads pulled back off her face. Long, flowing, hippie dress covered in yellow flowers. Everything she had to cook was meat. I don't eat meat, but I wasn't about to mention that. I ordered a hamburger. She sensed my apprehension and asked if there was anything else she could do. Asked her if she had an avocado. She said yes. How about a fried egg, she asked. Why not? Her eyes got real big. She was happy. Like, happy that I made a request she could actually satisfy. As if she'd had so many others that she couldn't. A fried egg. If everything was that simple. Over easy? That'd be great. Fries? Sure. What the hell? When my burger arrived, yolk was broken. She asked me if I wanted her to make me another one. Absolutely not. This is perfect. It was the most authentic conversation I've had in quite some time. I realized authentic conversation has become a bit of a problem for me. It feels like everything that comes out of my mouth these days is manufactured or mechanical. Like a machine spewing out answers to questions that haven't been asked. When she headed for the kitchen, I sat quietly, looking around the room. Stickers on the wall... Signatures and different colored markers from previous guests who'd signed their names and compliments to the chef. From towns like Bishop, California, Tucson, Boise, all these folks transited through this little intersection known as Juanitas. There were four other tables in the restaurant, and at the one behind me, a group of people, a mixture of older and younger, some with tattoos and dreads, surfer types, were talking loudly to get above the din of the floor fans. I couldn't help but hear the conversation. It veered all over the place, but I sat up a little straighter when I heard Louis Armstrong's name float out into the room. Not a place one expects to hear Louis Armstrong's name. Don't ask me why it's not a place. It just felt like more of a Tom Waits Blue Valentine kind of place. But if you don't know, I'm kind of obsessed with old jazz trumpet players. And when it comes down to it, Miles said it best when he said, you can't play anything on a horn that didn't come through Louie. The conversation flowed like water. The path of least resistance led to a light argument about what is and isn't jazz. And besides this conversation that I wasn't directly involved with, there wasn't much in there to distract me, which is why I was so surprised when I realized I'd missed the turnoff that led to the discussion about Bigfoot. Louis Armstrong and Bigfoot? Was there a six degrees of separation type connection that I was unaware of? I didn't know. But when I got back to my room, I tried to find one and I couldn't. So I decided to create my own, a connection that ties Louis Armstrong to Bigfoot. If I planned on getting any sleep that night, it needed to be done in order to organize the day's events in my head. First degree. Louis Armstrong was well known for his collaborations with the great Ella Fitzgerald. Second degree Ella Fitzgerald worked closely with the renowned composer and arranger Nelson Riddle. Third degree Nelson Riddle collaborated on numerous occasions with a voice actor and theater director named Ed Ragazzino. Fourth degree In 1976, Ed Ragazzino directed a film called Sasquatch, The Legend of Bigfoot. Someone had to do it. Could be the start of a whole new career. I planned on staying gone for a week or so and working on the show while I was on the road. I brought my gear, my microphones, headphones, notepads, books, battery banks, and chargers. I even brought my good coffee beans, my hand grinder, and my AeroPress. And not being sure of where I was eventually going to end up, I brought my kit, as I do every time I take a road trip. I carry a small alcohol camp stove, a water filter system, a sleep system, and a few other things. When I woke up at the crack of dawn the next morning, nothing in town was open for a cup of coffee, so I sat on the sand in front of my little hotel room, and I fired up the stove. The soft, sizzling sound it makes when the alcohol ignites... Made me happy. I spun the handle on my small stainless grinder. It was restorative, almost as if spinning that handle was adding juice to my own internal battery bank. There's nothing like sandy feet and the sound of a distant surf breaking on a rocky beach. I sipped my hot coffee and felt bad for being there, like I was impacting further a space and time that needed a reprieve. But that feeling faded. Almost immediately when I realized every time someone passed by me, they waved and smiled. If I hadn't seen the buildings torn from their foundations, the downed palm trees, or ate in the restaurant with no roof, I would have thought it was just another day. I don't know why I ended up in that little surf village. It just looked like a cool place on my paper map stashed way out there on a desolate point of land like the last berry on a branch drooping too close to the ground. Sometimes, it starts to feel like the walls are closing in around here. The faint tick of a chain dangling from the ceiling fan might as well be a howitzer. No amount of focus draws me back to the page when things get like that. Usually, an escape is the only fix, but... Trying to escape when a deadline looms is not really possible. That endeavor starts to look a lot like transporting a gorilla in the back of an armored truck. But if I pack my notepads, my microphone, and computer, the escape then becomes a mission. A mission to connect with what I'm trying to say. Sometimes you gotta run it down. It feels a bit clunky and unenlightened. Most times when you're trying to unearth something, dig up, or chase down an idea, it ends up being a bad idea. You see, the best ideas come as universal downloads. They wake me up in the middle of the night. They pop me on the side of the head when I'm walking along the beach or riding my bike, focused on something else entirely or focused on nothing at all. But sometimes, ideas drift across your vision like a small feather from a cactus wren, disguised as a serendipitous encounter with a table full of people you never actually meet. It's just a point where our destinies intersect for a moment that in any other situation would be almost imperceptible. For me, intersections like these function as an immediate reset. Now my friends will say, Wow, you drove eight hours for one night away? I'll smile and nod. Inside I'm thinking, I drove eight hours for eight hours I spent away from a screen. Eight hours I spent away from my phone. I drove eight hours so that I could feel the sun blasting the side of my face. I drove eight hours for the roadside burritos and the opportunity to speak Spanish to a leathery woman with hands that read like fiction. I drove eight hours to eat a burger with fried egg because apparently That's what was necessary to find the thread that connects American jazz to the mystery of Bigfoot. Someone had to do it. All right, thanks for being here. Hard to believe we've blown through another season. Next week is the last episode in season four. We'll take a short break and be back before you know it. If you're not on the email list, you might have missed the big news. The Mind Unset is now affiliate partners with Zero Shoes, X-E-R-O-Zero. If you're laughing at the irony of me, the guy who hates shoes, partnering with a shoe company, you are not alone. I will say this, Zero Shoes make the only shoe I will ever wear. Their shoes are durable, super comfortable. Their toe boxes are wide. Their soles are neutral and flexible. And all of that stuff means your feet will be happy when you walk. If you need a new pair of kicks and you use our affiliate link, the show gets a small commission at no extra cost to you. It's a great way to do something good for your feet and for your favorite podcast. ZeroShoes.com slash go slash The Mind Unset. If you need that link again or anything else, you can find it at themindunset.com. I'll be here next week. I hope you will too. Until then, be nice, do good stuff.